pay online. Folks, can you hear me and see me? Oh, the thing started, doesn't it? I don't think you've done the, the thing magic. Okay, Bismillah. Folks, we've been having some issues with that flickering thing, man. We thought we'd try to fix it, but it hasn't fixed very well. Um, well, actually, it's not flickering right now. There is no flickering, is there? All right. If it's okay, then we'll start, then, inshallah. You can hit, yeah? In 4K, it means that you do autofocus. Really? Yeah. Just on own autofocus, but it's not eye track for focus. So still focus. everybody formally. My apologies. Um, we're having this issue with this camera. Um, we're not quite sure actually what the problem is, to be honest. Okay. But um, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll give it a shout. We'll see how it um, how it goes. It's not it's not as good as I as I wanted it to be. All right, how about the volume? You can hear me in terms of the microphone. Is the microphone uh, clear at least? And the podcast recording will be clearer this week as well because I've got the professional one. Um, and uh, no, it's not the capture card. I changed the capture card. So yeah, okay. All right, Chella, let's 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 go ahead. At least it's not flickering like last week, right? So far. It seemed that it was the 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 four K the four K reason was the one that it was um, the four K was the reason that it was flickering, and uh, but the uh, autofocus is now the issue, yeah, because it's uh, because we put it into four K, it now has this uh, uh, comes and goes, yeah, the the focus comes and goes. So um, I don't know, man. I think we stick with it, inshallah. We stick with it. All right, shalom. Allah. Um, folks, so first of all, Zakum Lakhir for everybody who's been asking and checking and all the rest of it. I've been officially told by a surgeon, Irfan Yani uh, Irfan, which means that's no joke, okay? He's officially confirmed it was a sportsman's hernia, which basically confirms my status as an athlete, elite athlete. Bismillah, mashaAllah. That's the only thing that we cared about. Yani that's life levels all achieved. So this, uh, 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 I mean, listen, I didn't say that. I'm not going to say. I, I, I said to him, listen, bro, I've had a, I've had a hernia repair. He goes, sportsman's hernia. Now listen, you don't mess about with surgeons. Yani if they say sportsman's, then that's it. Do you know what I mean? Who am I? To, who am I to argue? Come on, bro. I'm not going to argue with a surgeon, am I? We know our limits, bro. Stay in your lane, bro. Every sport, every sport. Come on, bro. Come on. Gutted, yada, watching uh, Mumbai Indians versus KKR earlier on, and they put on that rubbish, yeah, and the West Indies versus England, yeah, and the women's cricket on. I thought, what is this, Bakwas, man? Gutted, I was. Anyway, chalo. Allah khair Listen, so Alhamdulillah, um, it's very painful. 
it is very painful, but I'm much, much better. The big, the big, uh, correct, correct, correct. We're not going to lie, bro. We're an athlete, but we're in the last, we're in the last dregs. We're in the last moments. Core strength is gone. Burdaugia, as you can see. Yeah. And um, it is what it is, right? Yeah. And what can we, what can we do? Yeah. Allah kamarzi, as they say. So, um, so, but again, Zakmullah Khair for everybody's dua. What I need now is your continued dua that there are no complications. Allahumma amin. Zakmullah Khair for Hamida. Barakallahu That's what I need. That there are no complications and there are no problems. That it doesn't come back and I can carry on exercising properly and that the tear doesn't yani, get any worse or come back or anything like that. Or there are no problems in, you know, cut this, that, or God knows what. All right. So, Tawakkalna Allah. Now, in terms of the uh, topic, all right, in terms of today's uh, lesson, then the plan, it's going to go out of focus, I think. No, it's okay. Um, the, good, the good news is, is that um, uh, now I prefer to stand, meaning that this weekend I couldn't do anything other than sit. But now, uh, this current, coming weekend where I'm going to teach uh, the fiqh of death, then in Toronto, inshallah, then... Um, I'm going to be teaching that normal standing and I'm going to uh, definitely enjoy that. Amin to all of your dua. Now, what we're going to do today, okay, I thought about this, that the um, the last week that we had the lesson, we kind of like, um, it was my mistake to go into a subject where the uh, I was trying to finish it, but realizing that it wasn't doing justice to the subject. So what we're going to prioritize today is this issue that we were discussing and last week. What in sajda falabats? Okay, what in sajd falabats? So let's just read actually the entire uh, section, right, or the, the the part that we're covering. Everything else from actions and statements are all considered sunnah. It is not legislated to have to perform the prostration of forgetfulness if they are left out. But if, but if one was to perform it, then there is no problem with that. Was As a reminder, okay, that basically means that if there's any sunnah action in the prayer, uh, so for example, subhanakallahumma bihamdika wa tabaraka smuka wa ta'ala jadduka wa la ilaha ghayruk. Or for example, to say subhana rabbil azim, subhana rabbil azim, subhana rabbil azim, three times, for example, in the ruku'ah. Or to say, Allahumma inni zulamtu nafsi dhulman kathira. At the very end, before you say "Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah," or you were to make a dua after "Rabbana wa hamd," and you were to continue standing and say "Hamdan kathiran tayyiban mubarakan fi," these are just some different examples. Or, for example, you recited a long surah in Salatul Fajr as opposed to a shorter one, which comes under an action of the uh, Sunnah. So, if you these are all actions and statements which are considered sunnah in the prayer. They're neither arkan, they're neither shurut, obviously, because it's outside the prayer, because that would be outside the prayer. They are not arkan, they're not pillars of the prayer, because the Prophet ﷺ did not insist that they have to be prayed. They're not obligations in the prayer, because the Prophet ﷺ did not actually um, change uh, uh, whilst he was praying, missing these things out. Um, we don't have any evidence or any incident where he uh, did a sajda. Um the 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 Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam for example uh, when Abu Huraira Abu Huraira did not see 
um, or did not know, I should say more accurately, what the Prophet ﷺ was saying at the beginning of the prayer, right? Subhanakallahumma bihamdika wa tabarakasmuka, right? So he didn't know that. And so therefore he himself wasn't saying it. And then when he asked the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ said that this is al-istiftah, subhanakallahumma bihamdika wa tabarakasmuka wa ta'ala jadduka. And the Prophet ﷺ telling him clearly knows that Abu Hurairah has not been saying it. And yet he did not tell him, right, you need to now go and do such a because you missed it. So you see, see all of these clues give a very clear indication to us what is a ruken, wajib, sunnah. And to be honest, the scholars don't differ that much on this. Like, you know, there are no massive, massive differences. I mean, there's the odd discrepancy, right? But like, obviously, Rabbi Ghafirli, Rabbi Ghafirli, Virtually every scholar considers that to be a sunnah. And there are some of the Hanabila um, that consider it to be an obligation. I mean, it doesn't happen very often that they disagree to that level. So from the supporting evidences, it's quite easy to be able to confirm which level of action you are concerned, you are dealing with in the prayer. With, of course, discussion, debates around, around some of them. Right. Now, by definition, the prayer is valid without these extra sunnah actions. By definition, if they are missed out, you do not need to uh, do something to compensate for missing them out. Right? And that is what the statement says. لَا يُشْرَعُ السُّجُودُ لِتَرْكِهِ وَإِنْ سَجَدَ فَلَا It is not legislated to do the prostration for forgetfulness, which is, we're going to maybe start this week, more like more than likely next week, huge uh, subject in of itself, a very important one, because it's the single tool that we have to fix the mistakes in our prayer. It's the single tool, um, not only fix the mistakes in our prayer, but it's actually a weapon, subhanAllah. It's an incredible tool, gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we have doubts, when we have major issues, when we make major mistakes, and so on and so forth, is there to help us out, is there to pick up the pieces. You don't have to go back to the prayer unless it's a rukan and do the whole unit again or or and even worse, right off the prayer, start the whole prayer again. But we've got this wonderful institution called Sajda Sahu or Sujud Sahu. Okay. I love this. Okay, I have to do this. Salaam alaikum. How, how are you doing, Nadif? You okay? Right. What 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 you want, Nadif? Yeah. Yeah, 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 I'm home, yeah. I'm doing nothing. Yeah, nothing on a Wednesday evening at 8.30, uh, 8.55, 8, 8, doing nothing. So, say, say that again? Say that again? You forgot. You flipping turn, I'm going to kill you. How about that? How about that? I'm going to kill you. You was going to give me a kika food, yeah? A kika food, yeah? Yeah? A kika food. Yeah? <laughs> What do you think? Uh, bro, I'm doing nothing, Gera. You know, what else are we doing this time? Why are you not in the lesson? That's what I want to know. Uh, I have to do this in it first. You had to do this, yeah? You know, I'm so glad that your best has been full public. Full public. Okay? They're all saying, no way, no way, no way. And Zaf is basically saying, simple statement, very summarized statement. Nadif, Yara bestie, done. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Well done. Congratulations. Akika food, yeah? Tell Amreen, yeah? I want Akika food. I don't want Akika food, okay? You pack. All right? 
Alright, you can drop it in the porch of Paki. Gassam Khudadi. Yallah, Salaam Alaikum. Unbelievable. Nadeef! PG! Can't get the staff, Gassam. Need to have a drink to calm down. Gassam, Bismillah. That's it. That's Ghassan summarized. Done. That's it. You don't need to say anything. Just we just need a Denzel. Denzel comes. Job done. That's it. Why do I need to carry on? Thank you very much, Ghassan. All right. So I didn't go to Delhi where I was. How about that? Uh, Anyway, I think I was trying to say that the Sith Sahu is a blessing. By the way, you realize, yeah, that this used to be those who know, know, right? Those who know, know. This used to be my. Yeah, it's a single tool. That's great. We'll come back in a second. I know that. But I just want anybody to know what this is. Knee pad. Yes, Mahboub, bro. Thank you. My mom made this for me, okay, when, my, when I had my knee surgery so that I could make sajda. And then obviously. It was uh, thingy. Ajmal obviously knows that was the Hajj companion. Umrah. It's been everywhere. been around the world. This thing's sick. Now it has another function. What do you think its function now is? Unbelievable function it has. No. 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 Let's see where the medics are at. No. No. How Mahjabin? Correct, Naya. Well done. This I have to put onto my stomach, Yanni, every time when I have to deal with you, Pakis, and you make me laugh or cough, and I push against my stomach every time. Yeah. There you go. Smell Ras. See? We've got clever people. I'm telling you. Ask you them, buddy. Clever peoples. Peoples them. Right. Um, so. Um, it's a tool which helps us out, and it's important to study the ins and outs of it. And in actual fact, what's very interesting is that um, although there's a lot of details that we're going to cover about when you do the sajda, it's called sajda sahu or sujuda sahu, the prostration for forgetfulness or the compensatory uh, prostration, you can call it what you want in actual fact, because the Prophet never gave it a name. Okay? He did say. That for every well, there are weak hadiths that said for every sahu there's sajdatain uh, or sajdatan rather. So for every forgetfulness there's a sajda, which is why it then got called by the scholars afterwards the sajda of sahu. However, the truth is is that it's a compensating uh, sajda because it's not always well, it's not always technically you forgetting something. Uh, however. If you're going to play semantics, Yanni, then you, I guess every mistake fall goes back to a, to a, some form of forgetfulness. Even doubt is ultimately you forgetting where you are, right? So, uh, you know. So the point is, is that this Sajda Sahu is there to help us out. Um, and it is not needed for Sunan acts. Now, we're going to now in this lesson... Go word by word by this argument so that everybody appreciates where the scholars are coming from. All right. So at the bottom of 330 in Al Mumtir, Sheikh says 
the author, Sheikh Uthaymeen, he says the author has obviously said that it's not legislated to do the sajda when you miss out, uh, leave out a sunnah, which I think everybody's happy with, everybody's com comfortable with, makes a lot of sense, that's fine. But if you do, then no problem. He goes, La yushra, basically, as I said last week, that covers both the sunnah acts. Uh, it's, neither, it's neither recommended, it's neither obligatory, it's not legislated. And when I say legislated from shara'a, okay, right, it's it means that it is required. That's what we mean, required. It's not requested from you. It's not legislated. It's not yani, been something which the Prophet ﷺ has asked for and put, in this, put, and, put, and put into the deen. Okay? Yani, from his side. If I say it like that, it kind of maybe will become a little bit easier for you to swallow the difference of opinion. All right? So it's not obligatory or recommended. It's not obligatory or recommended to have to make the sajda when you miss something out. And then, so for example, if he misses out uh, the Subhanakallahumma, for example, then he doesn't uh, have to do anything. All right? He just goes, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, when he goes, Allahu Akbar. He doesn't need to do anything. All right. He is... Uh, uh, he misses out Rafa'i um, Dain. Okay, so he goes, you know, Allahu Akbar. So he raises his hands. Sorry, he, 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 it's Sunnah for to raise the hands and then to go into Rukur. But he forgets to raise the hands, which is a Sunnah act of the prayer at this moment. And he goes straight into Rukur. Is it legislated for him to do the Sajjah The answer is. No. And this is the dominant position. This is the position of the madhab and the position of the vast majority of scholars. Right? That is basically the position. And I think we're all very comfortable with that. And the idea, the, uh, the, the as I said before, the proof is, the proof is, is that if there is something which itself is not required in the prayer and the prayer is not invalidated for leaving it out, then why would you then do something to compensate for something that doesn't need to be there in the first place for to keep the prayer valid. And I, I don't think you need to explain, I don't, I don't, I don't think that there needs any explanation for that. Then we got to this issue of what in Sajjadafalabas, a statement which almost seems contradictory, that if you do make the sajda, okay, if you do make the sajda, I know this is irritating with this uh, uh, focus in and out. I have to then stay in one position, and that's so difficult for me, man. Okay, I'll stay here. All right. Um where in if if you do if you do uh decide to make the sajda then you know that's that's okay and in this statement there's going to be two positions the first one is going to be well hold on it wasn't legislated so you're therefore increasing in the religion and act which would indicate that it's bid'ah and some of the fuqaha a minority of them and that's very important a minority of them, they took this position. Okay, that they said that uh, you know if you if you okay, they said actually what our common sense is indicating that if you do make the sajda, you've added something to the prayer because you don't need to do it in the first place, and therefore the prayer is batila. It is invalidated because we've said. That it's not legislated, and if something is not legislated, then you're doing it, then it becomes bid'ah, and every bid'ah is a dalala, and you have yani, brought an increase into the prayer, 
and so on. However, the madhab position is that no, there's no problem because there's no problem for you to do it, but it's not legislated, it's not required. But if you decide to do it, then it's not a problem. Now, there's that's the first position. There's a second position. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable. It's all right. Okay, let me just get back here. And honestly, stupid thing is, is you know, because I'm too close to the books, that's why. One second. Hold on. All right, now, there we go. Chalo, let's talk, Chalo. Let's see if that, that works. Okay? Yeah. All right. Um, the, the other uh, 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 position is to argue that it is sunnah. So now we're not going back or that it is mashroor. Right? So we're now covering two positions. Forget now the issue of that it is... Um, uh, forget forget the forget the position about that. Is it uh, okay whether you do it or not? Just go back to the previous sentence. لا it is not legislated to make a sajda if you miss out the sunnah, if you leave out the sunnah. That's the Hanbali position. The second position that some of the Hanbali scholars flirted with, okay, and a few other scholars outside of the madhab, is that it is actually a legislated action to do the sajda sahu for missing out a sunnah what are their evidences the first uh, and this is regardless of whether it's a verbal sunnah or whether it's a um uh, a, a sun an, an action sunnah so it's qawliya aw fi'liya why because of the hadith of abdullah ibn mas'ud radiyallahu anhu that the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said idha nasiya ahadukum falyasjid this hadith states that the Prophet ﷺ said that if one of you forgets, then let him make a sajda, two prostrations. Let him do two prostrations. If he forgets, let him do two prostrations. This hadith is noted by Imam Muslim. Hadith 572. And they said this hadith we're going to take in its absolute generality. This hadith does not specify whether you, if you forget a rukan or a wajib or X or Y. It just says if you forget. And that's true. It does say, إِذَا نَسِيَ أَحَدُكُمْ If one of you forgets, فَلْيَسْجُدْ سَجْدَتَيْنِ Then let that person then do two prostrations. So that's their first evidence. They're saying that this hadith, we should keep it unrestricted in its most general basic form. And therefore, it would then cover every form of forgetfulness even when we forget to do a sunnah act, because we wouldn't be leaving that sunnah act out unless we forgot. Obviously, you, be, you should be thinking, well, the problem with that is that what if I didn't not forget, but I intentionally left something out, right? So that would be a problem right there as an immediate response. But just I want you to get your, 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 you know, your whole uh, thing uh, thinking. 572, 572 in Sahih Muslim. Uh, and, and, and then there's an aqli. This is the, 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 the textual evidence, if you like. The uh, aqli evidence, okay, is that, uh, or logical kind of evidence, or common sense evidence, which of course, as we know, always follows a, 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 a textual evidence, never can take its place, but it's just useful for us to think, okay, is that if we, if we request a sajda, for from each person who forgets a sunnah act, they will learn their lesson. In li hatta la minhu as-sujood fi kulli salah. 
by that act, they will be so affected by it emotionally, psychologically, that they will never want that to happen in their prayer again. I mean, there's actually an interesting point here as well, right? You know, and I know that if you're praying by yourself, I mean, fair enough. But if you're praying in a room with other people, let alone congregational prayer late, but I mean, just praying and you make a mistake, you know that everybody is watching you. Okay, it's an embarrassing thing. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a plus point, right? It's not. It's not. It's not something to be proud of. It might be proud for you that you caught onto it and you're fixing it. But I, like, I'll give you a classic example. Those who've got kids. Those of you who've got kids. When you have children, you always try to pray in front of them and with them. When they're younger, then you don't really kind of uh, 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 bring them into the prayer. You you just you want it to be very soft kind of dawa or soft tarbiya. And you want them to observe more rather than feel they have to stand with you. And you only kind of, you know, get them involved when you when you know that they feel comfortable with it. Right. And what you'll realize is that children observe you a lot and they start to learn a lot of things. And one of the interesting uh, anecdotal kind of angles to this issue is that it can really confuse children. Right. So if you're trying to teach children how to pray by the simple observation method, or even exp even if they're a bit older and you're trying to explain it, okay? Uh, when I say a bit older, I don't mean 9, 10. I mean 5, 6, 7, 8, okay? We're not talking 9, 10, because this kind of stuff should not be understood by kids until much later. So um, you, like, you know, Hiba is a classic example, last one or two years, like right now. She'll come, she's waiting to do something with me, maybe we're waiting to eat dinner or whatever, or she's waiting for me to finish Salah, right? So she'll sit right there waiting for me to finish Salah. She sees me, she, she sees me in Tashahud, okay? Then she knows that, you know, um, uh, she might make a judgment call, for example. You know how kids are, or even adults. If you come to, uh, you know, come to uh, uh, say something to someone, you see them in Sajda, you don't just immediately walk off. You wait for them to see what happens after that Sajda. Do they stand back up or sit back down? If you stand back up, you're probably like, you know what, I'm going to come back in five minutes, Right? If you see them sit down, you say to yourself, this is going to be over in about one minute, right? And you get used to that. Children understand that. Adults understand that. And so often, you know, she'll come and she'll sit and she'll wait. And when you don't finish by giving the first salam and you go back down again for another one minute, yeah, and you know, such that this, that, whatever, they become confused. You at the very least level, even if you're not embarrassed by this act, will not want to confuse other people. So there will always be this concern that you do not do that act again. And so therefore, they said that um, uh, uh, by doing it once, you learn your lesson. And Sheikh says, He goes that, you know, most of the time, you actually forgot to do those, those sunnah acts. And therefore, you're going to be more aware um, uh, about it. He goes, especially those that you don't do regularly. Especially those that you don't do regularly. Um, now, obviously... Textually, this, this argument is questionable. Common sense-wise, it's questionable, okay? And that's why it's not been held by hardly any of the scholars. It's a minority position. As Mesa said, how can you legislate on that basis? It's a bit kind of, uh, it's a bit too much. And Sheikh Uthameen says, and as for what, um, as for, right. So that's actually the end of that, all right? He goes, these are the two positions that there isn't, the vast majority hold, and then that it is legislated, which, as you can see, is a weak argument. End of story. All right. And clearly the class position is the humbly position, is the majority position. That's the end of it. Then Sheikh says, 
But there's no doubt that this last statement, that if he does make the sajda, then there's not a problem with that. He goes, this is a very interesting statement, and it actually brings us to a very beneficial qaida, a maxim, a very beneficial principle in fiqh. All right? يدل على قائدة مفيدة وهي أن الشيء قد يكون جائزا وليس بمشروع يعني it's possible for something to be permissible even if it's not legislated something can be permissible even if it's not legislated i.e. أن يكون جائزا أن تتعبد به وليس بمشروع أن تتعبد به he goes it's something that is permissible to worship with however it is not legislated to worship thereby. And he goes, we've actually covered some examples of this without going into details. Some of them that will come to mind. And by the way, when he says that, when he says some of them we've covered before, he's not talking. Now the video is still here, man. Don't give me a heart attack. Video is here, isn't it? I can see the video. Oh, sugar. Video is fine, right? I don't know, Yara. I think you guys just want me to have a break. I'm so happy, Maisara, that you put Asri down as your surname. I hate getting Maisara's mixed up. Anyway. All right, good. So, are we, are we out of focus? Oh my god. Oh my god. Come on now, guys. Come on, guys. Guys. Come on. Oh wallahi, I didn't answer it. Wallahi I didn't answer it. Because that's not because I can't cuss him and get him off the call, can I? Do you know what I mean? It's not Nadif, is it? The lesson's gonna have to stop for that. That's our Sheikh, bro. Wallahi. It's true, isn't it, Mesa? It's proper true. There's not a chance that I could have blagged that. The world's favorite Qari. Wallahi, my heart's yani Qasim, I'm not even joking. Yeah, listen, Ghassan, you'd come and tell me what Denzel Gif is going to summarize that one. Huh? That's the one. That's the one. No, no, wrong. Ghassan, wrong. Wrong. Ghassan, wrong. Literally the opposite. Literally the opposite. And by the way, I think I just bust some stitches with that with that move, by the way. I think I just because I just felt Yanni yeah, the thing go back. I think it's alright. Okay. That's what we like, Mariam. Mariam is like thinking, you know, what's going on? Mariam's like, you know, what's going on? I'm not moving on until Ghassan summarizes. No, no, Ghassan. That's lame excuses, bro. All right. Anyway, that's a problem. You get carried away. No way did I just do that. 
actually, what I feel worse at, what I feel worse at, is that we just had the lesson where I took the call of Nadif for the joke factor, and I blanked Sheikh Abdul Rashid <laughs> alias Sufi. <laughs> With that, you are such a beginner. You are such a beginner. Honestly. With that, as they say, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane with that. By the way, I'm going to be joining uh, Telegram tonight. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine that goes viral? Oh, my God. Oh, I'm gutted. <laughs> yeah, you see, that's all right. Yeah. But you can't hang up on Nadif. Yeah, there you go. That's it. That's what I was waiting for. That is what I was waiting for. And as you can see by the action, he's got core muscles. He can do that. You see, look at his core. Solid. Man's has not got core here. I've just completely done my real stomach 100%, bro. That's all I'm saying. Anyway. Well, I don't know what I did, man. This is all Shazad Salim's influence. You know that. Shazad Salim makes the class so important. So important. So important. I don't even know, man. How is it more important than Sheikh Abdul Rashid Ali Sufi? Come on, you tell me that. I know why he's calling, by the way, because Sheikh Abdul Rafat told him that I had the operation. And uh, and uh, I know that. That's why. All right, okay, listen. Uh, we were... Yeah, so I'm going to give some examples. Okay, listen. Ghassan. Yeah, call back quick, exactly. Hassan, listen, with all great respect to Widad, yeah. But, but she got it right. She got it right. It was a good one. It was a good one. And Malcolm X as well got Muslim. Yeah, and you know, that was pretty good. All right, folks. So Sheikh is saying, we've covered some of these points. I, I remember what I was saying. I was saying that when he says we've covered his points, he's not actually referring, okay? The principle is, is that it is possible uh, uh, it is possible some, for something to be permissible to do in Islam without it being formally, legally legislated, without it being formally required in the Sharia, requested in the Sharia, or initiated in the Sharia by the Prophet ﷺ itself. Okay? So I know that you just didn't go there. I will come down there, Shazad Salim, yeah? I will walk there. I, don't, I, I can't drive at the moment. Yeah, they said I'm not allowed for me to drive. But I will come there, I will slap you silly. Now, Harith, you're going to realize soon, very quickly, why it's not bid'ah. It's not going to be bid'ah because the Prophet ﷺ has allowed it. Right? Okay. Again, Solange says, you didn't miss anything, but can you please repeat it? Honestly, Solange, you're, you're, you're a scream. You're a scream. It is possible for something to be permissible to do in Islam without it being formally uh, legislated or required in the Sharia by the Prophet. There you go, Naya. Well done. That's it. I'm going to come down. I'm glad, Naya, that you have justified me going battering Shazad Yani at home. Thank you very much. So, here are some examples. Okay? Here are some examples of understanding the, 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 the point, the maxim. Then we'll see whether we can apply it to our scenario. Because the maxim is a well known one. When, when I give you the examples, you're going to say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But the question is, is it applying to our scenario? Right? Okay. So, let's get this back in focus. So irritating, this lack of focus, businessman. You know, you see, you save one problem, you create another one. So, alhamdulillah, the picture hasn't flickered. 
right? But it hasn't flickered, but it's got this focus rubbish, right? So, for example, doing acts of worship on behalf of other people, okay? So, for example, if a person gives sadaqah on behalf of uh, the deceased, this is something which is permissible. Yes or no? Yes or no, guys? Iram asked, keep that question till the end, yeah? It's permissible. How is course is permissible. There's a consensus of the scholars it's permissible to do acts on behalf of the deceased. So now let's look to where that comes from. All right? Lakin, this... Uh, oh, I went into orthodox mode. Lakin! Uh, so this is not something which is legislated. We don't actually have a general hadith where the Prophet ﷺ specifically says that you should give sadaqah on behalf of the deceased. Right? We have some general... No, no. We have some specific hadith that focus on specific areas. And nearly all of those, by the way, were when uh, the Prophet ﷺ is approached by others. So... Uh, the most famous one is, well, actually, I'm just going to carry, I'm going to just read what he says, okay? A, Simply put, as scholars, we do not command the people to give sadaqah on behalf of their deceased. Because the Prophet ﷺ never commanded that either. So why would we encourage and command people to give sadaqah on behalf of the deceased when the Prophet ﷺ has never encouraged and demanded or recommended giving sadaqah on the deceased. Now you might be surprised at that, but it's actually true. We don't have a hadith where the Prophet ﷺ has said give sadaqah on behalf of the deceased. Right? We don't. So, وَلَمْ يَفْعَلْهُ هُوَ بِنَفْسِهِ حَتَّى يَكُونَ مَشْرُوعًا And he never did it himself. So that it then becomes an act which is legislated. And he did not say to his ummah, There's a very interesting statement here. I, I love it. Okay. He basically says, Neither did the Prophet ﷺ give the indication to go and uh, tell the Ummah, give sadaqah on behalf of your deceased, fast on their behalf, pray on their behalf, or any other similar form. Neither did he do it himself. The maximum that we can say, the maximum that he can say, that we can say, is that he commanded someone who came to the Prophet ﷺ and told him that. Um, uh, this is this is this hadith in Sahih Muslim that uh, my uh, deceased, deceased, the deceased, sorry, uh, has given has has fasting upon them, has fasting upon them, and so, yani man mata wa ali. If I remember the hadith correctly, it's been a while. Man mata man mata wa alihi siyam. Whoever dies and they have fasts owing, then let their representative then fast on their behalf. 
Okay, so that is an act of worship on behalf of others. But Sheikh Uthameen is like, well, hold on. But even this hadith is referring to the obligatory things which are missing, meaning uh, 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 obligatory fasts, not yani, uh, voluntary fasts, right? And, and there is a difference between something which is wajib and not wajib. And in actual fact, if you think of this hadith, and we'll come to it obviously in its right time, this hadith, which says that if a person passes away, right, and they had fasts owing, then they should, the, the representative should then fast. Correct, yeah. All right, okay. So, right, this, this hadith, as Imam Ahmed, his own opinion, as far as I remember, Imam Ahmed's own opinion is that this is only in the nadar, only in vows. This is not referring to Ramadan. So your mom, she didn't, you know, she's been, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, trying to catch up for the last 20 years. She's got like, you know, she's had four or five kids, breastfed, blah, 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 200, 300, 500 fast. You know how crazy it gets, yeah? Now, you guys might know my opinion. I, be I believe that there is no uh, qadha, uh, 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 fasting required, okay? That's my, my position. And if a person pays then, you know, that's better. But I don't believe that it needs to be covered by fasting. But that's not the majority position. The majority do require those fasts to be made up. But that's by the person. Now, if this, meaning the one when they're alive, if they pass away with 300 fasts owing, there are some scholars that are saying that this, therefore, this hadith would therefore mean this, yani, whoever dies and they have fast and let the, the wali make the fast. There are a number of scholars from them sahaba who said that we will, you, you will need to now fast for the these people. Uh, you will need to fast these fasts for your deceased member. The question now is, is um, the narrator of this hadith, who's Aisha radiallahu anha, Sulanj has given a reference to it, Sahih Muslim 1147. You know, we say in fiqh, and these are obviously people who are, uh, those who are studying, uh, the, those who are going to take this weekend, inshallah, the fiqh of death uh, with me, then we're going to cover this in a lot more detail, a lot more detail. But we have a principle in fiqh that al-rawi adra rawayatihi okay? That the narrator of, a, I mean, this is not a universal principle, but it's a principle in fiqh, that a narrator of a hadith is most knowledgeable of their uh, uh, no, no, when I say representative, I mean wali, meaning the guardian, meaning the one, yani, you know, the, 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 the main person, yeah, the one who is taking care of their inheritance and the family member, basically, yeah, their father, their son, whoever's left behind. Now, um, uh, what this principle says is that the narrator of a hadith is more knowledgeable of the narration than anybody else, all right? They know about the, the thing that they're narrating. They saw it. They learned it. They narrated it. So they understand it. And this hadith has been narrated by Aisha radiallahu anha. This hadith has been narrated by Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma. And both of their opinions is that this refers to uh, a vow only. A vow, by the way, is when you say, um, if I pass my exams, I'm going to fast three days. If I do this, then I'm going to do uh, this. Blah blah blah. That is what it means. That's what it means to uh, do. Um, that, that's what it means, you know, a vow. And these are obligatory. That's a debt that needs to be paid back to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. 
as for Ramadan, that's like, uh, you know, that's like, I mean, in my opinion, if a person died in Asr time without praying Asr, I do not expect to have to pray Asr on behalf of my deceased because they didn't pray Asr in the in the time that they had to pray Asr. Likewise, person dies and they hadn't done the uh, fasting, they don't need to have to have that made up. Now the Hajj, okay, is again a matter of discussion. The, the Hajj is a matter of discussion. And the majority of scholars, they said that the Hajj needs to be made up and they gave the, the hadith in Bukhari of the, 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 the man who came and said that my mother, she passed without the Hajj. Can I do the Hajj on her behalf? And the Prophet ﷺ said yes. And uh, and uh, because the, the Haq of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is more deserving to be fulfilled. This, this, even this, by the way, hadith, which therefore leads to so many people doing Hajj, I certainly don't consider it to be obligatory to do Hajj upon someone who dies and then doesn't didn't do Hajj. That's, that's, that's been my position for, forever. And there are a number of scholars, and I have to say this is the opinion that I follow, that this also applied to the one who had intended to go to Hajj, meaning that they were planning to, they had vowed, they've set it up, everything, etc., etc., etc. I mean, above and beyond the normal obligation. Because it's not, yani, the obligation is to do Hajj. Not to do the obligation, not to do the Hajj this year. You can quite permissibly say, um, "I'm going to do Hajj in two years' time because I've got exams, this, that, whatever, holidays, blah, blah, blah." And that's my intention, inshallah. And you know, some scholars don't like that, but it's permissible. So the question is now that, and, and theoretically, that could be ten years and fifteen years, even though it, you know it's frowned upon. So even the Hajj example is something which is not an obligatory. And there are scholars that will interpret the hadith which says do the hajj as you have to do the hajj if the vow had been done uh, to do the hajj and they died. Now you're fulfilling the hajj. Okay. Now, a classic example of this act that some scholars would use or this principle, something which is not legislated, but is something which... Um, is not legislated, but something which is permissible would be who can think of the classic uh, uh, extension, classic yani, example, very much on topic, very much related to the previous hadith I just, um, I just mentioned. Pretty obvious, to be honest, pretty easy. Very much the news since yesterday. No, no, very much the news since yesterday. Correct. Mahbub, well done. Umrah. Okay. Multiple Umrah. Well, not multiple Umrah, but uh, uh, Umrah on behalf of the deceased. So this is a very culturally, you know, big thing, right? There's a complete, you know, understanding that completely okay to do Umrah on behalf of other people, especially on, on behalf of deceased. Now, let's let's break this down for a second. We don't have a single hadith of the Prophet ﷺ ever telling people to make multiple Umrah. Number one. Number two. We don't have a single hadith of the Prophet ﷺ even encouraging. Uh, I don't know what I said. Did I say, did I say multiple Umrah? Yeah, he's back, man, honestly. But he's quieter than before. He was giving right headache. I said multiple Umrah. What's the mean the video is paused? What are you scaring me for? Video ain't paused nothing, man. So the... Um, what was I saying? The... Uh, uh, so... 
forgot what I said. Did I say the Prophet ﷺ did not? Okay, let me get it right. Okay, good. So number one, he did not command to multiple Umrah. All right. Number two, he didn't command for Umrah to be undone on the behalf of the deceased. They're two separate things. Because you could be doing multiple Umrah for yourself and you could be doing it for um uh you could be doing it for uh someone who's deceased. So multiple could be for yourself. Because I remember when I went to I took a, 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 I never forget this. I mean obviously I take Hajj groups every year. But it was one year, maybe 11, 12, maybe, 2011, 2012. We had some Afghans in our group from Canada. My God, they were madness, next level madness. Yeah. I reckon that he must have done 20, 30 Umrahs at least. Sometimes you do two a day. You know, they were super, super tough, strong people. Just, just spent the whole time doing Umrah. And I'll be saying to them, bro, this makes zero sense. Yani, what are you doing? He goes, Yara, just honestly, I've just got to do it. And he, they were not all for deceased people, by the way. He, he's doing it for himself. So there are two different concepts. Okay? Two different concepts. Yani, multiple Umrah for yourself. And then uh, 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 Umrah for the deceased to pass the reward on. Now, why is this such a good example? We can clearly, straight out say the Prophet ﷺ did not legislate or it is not legislated to perform multiple Umrah or Umrah for the deceased. However, you will very, very rarely find a scholar that will say it is bid'ah to do Umrah for the deceased. You get my point now? You won't find it. You will not find a scholar that will say it is bid'ah to do Umrah for the deceased. Like when I get asked that question, I find it impossible to say bid'ah. I just say, you know what? It's not the action of the Prophet. It's not that it's not the way of the companions. But do I allow it? Yeah. Imam Ahmed himself allowed it. A couple of the, the tabi'een allowed it. Some of the other Imams allowed it. The um because, because, because as an act itself, it is supported by generality by general evidences okay right first of all they'll say Aisha radiallahu anha is uh, did an umrah more than once even though her first one was not whatever but she kind of repeated it you know in the year that she did hajj and she was menstruating and she missed out so she kind of did another tawaf and she she did another umrah or whatever so and that's why it's called Masjid Aisha, right? That's where the whole name comes from. Ten'im, okay? They said, so it's not like it's completely haram to do Umrah twice. And they also said, logically, they say, all right, it might not make sense to go and do Umrah again because Umrah is meant to, it's, 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 it's headline, it's headline uh, uh, value is that it expiates the sins from the previous Umrah, which is a significantly powerful cleaner, right? Because if you went Umrah three, four years ago, and you now go do an act which is so strong that it knocks out everything in the three, four years, that's some madness right there. So it's a pretty powerful act. And common sense would then say to you, well, okay, you're not going to be doing that every half an hour because if something is that powerful... You're going to be leaving it for a period of time to at least get the sins in, right? 
So if you're doing one now and then doing one tomorrow in the haram, I don't know what kind of sins you're up to or what it is the value that you're looking for. So it's not the headline value you're looking for. You're looking for the ibadah of the rest of it, the footsteps, the dua, the X, the Y, the effort, this tiredness. And that's what people are doing. My point is, is that logically speaking, it might not be common sense to do the Umrah again, but it's not, it's not impossible logically, right? I mean, I think that's what I'm trying to say. It's not like you won't call a person stupid. You'd say, well, all right then. You know, because it's tiring. It's like three, four. I mean, obviously, if you do a dodgy one, then it's an hour, two hours. Yeah, but when we do Umrah, we expect to take four hours. Maybe sometimes five, maybe a quick three and a half on a certain good day, right? Um, and you do need to go out the haram boundary, and you don't need to go to Ta'if, no. Haram boundary is very small. So um, so I just want you to appreciate that, uh, and already Hajj being legislated, and uh, if the big part, if the big fish has been allowed, then the small one is easier to allow. If we're going to allow a person to do the big one, then why not the small one? They will say, well, no, because Hajj is obligatory. We'll say there's some scholars that considered Umrah obligatory, by the way. Minority, but that's what they said, right? So you can now start to see that it is, it is, you see, uh, Fida, the point is, uh, let me go through a few more examples and then let's see if these questions come up. Yeah, we've gone through two examples. We've given charity from the, to give charity on the behalf of deceased. We've given, um, uh, uh, we've given charity on behalf of deceased and we've done Umrah. As well, he goes and he carries on. Wominha, there was a man, and Nabi وسلم, placed him in command of the military of a military unit. This hadith is narrated by Bukhari, Kitab Tawheed, hadith number 7375. Okay, this companion he was the Amir, and so the Amir is also the one who commands, and he's also one who, the one who leads the prayer. And, um, he, every prayer that he led out loud, we don't know about the silent ones, but in every prayer that he led out loud, he said he would recite Qul Allahu Ahad, Surat Al-Ikhlas, after every surah. So he would recite like, you know, uh, he would recite like Dhariyat uh, or Qaf or Tur in the Maghrib prayer. And then he would then say, and then and he would go for Rukwa. So he would basically be reciting two surahs every single Rukwa. Uh, okay, every single one. And so when this unit came back to the Prophet, the companions came to him and said that uh Ya Rasulullah um this is what happened, by the way. The guy you put in charge, this is what he was doing. And the Prophet ﷺ said, ask him why he did that. Yani, why did he do that? And uh, he said, because, because, because it mentions the, the, the qualities and the beauty and the description of Ar-Rahman, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is Al-Ahad, he is Al-Samad, he is Lam Yalid wa Lam Yulad, okay? Yani it, I love it so much, and I love to recite it. So An-Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said to the companions, طَيِّبْ إِذَنْ فَأَخْبِرْهُ أَنَّ اللَّهِ يُحِبُّ So go and tell him that Allah loves him. Go and tell him that Allah loves him. 
Now, that's a very important hadith. He never said anything about this action. Someone else did it. The Prophet ﷺ allowed it. And he actually praised him for it. However, even afterwards, let alone before, let alone before, but even afterwards, he did not say to the ummah, if you pray in your, uh, uh, once you, when you recite in your salah, then end it with, And neither did he ever do this that we know authentically narrated. Although that might be in question as well. But So this indicates that this act in itself is not legislated, is not legislated. However, it is something which is permissible. It's not a problem. Now, immediately you're saying, yeah, again, this is the Prophet signing off on the act. It's different. And I'm, I'm with you. Let's just carry on. He goes, وَمِنْهَا أَيْضًا وَمِنْهَا أَيْضًا that the Prophet ﷺ, he prohibited al wisal. Wisal is continuous fasting, just fasting 24-7, all the way. However, okay, however, he said um, that if you're going to do it, if you're going to do it, right, then do it. Then break the meaning if you're not going to break your fast at iftar time like you should, then at the very least do it in the last part of the night. In the last part of the night, basically at suhoor time. So instead of eating twice at Maghrib and at just before Fajr at suhoor, wisal would be just continuous fasting. Yeah, and not eating at iftar, not eating at suhoor, and that's it. Okay. However, he said that, and there are some, by the way, there are some scholars that said that wisal doesn't mean that. Wisal means to only eat once at suhur time. Either way, it doesn't actually matter. Whatever the meaning of, of uh, whatever the actual meaning of um, of wisal actually is, because the Prophet ﷺ said, فَأَيُّكُمْ أَرَادَ أَنْ يُوَاصِلْ فَالْيُوَاصِلْ إِلَى الصَّحْرِ لَكِنَّهُ لَيْسَ بِمَشْرُوعٍ Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said a hadith noted by Bukhari, hadith number 1967. He said that if any of you want to do the wasal, this continuous fasting, then let you then you can you can fast continuously until suhoor time, just before Fajr, maximum 24 hours basically. That's it. You have to at least eat one, once every 24 hours. However, he never legislated this act. He never recommended this act. He never practiced this act he never did this act he never said that, that this is better or not or what etc 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 وهذه المسألة التي ذكرها المؤلف رحمه الله أنه إذا ترك السنة قولية أو فعلية في الصلاة لم يشرع له السجود وإن سجد فلا بأس then he goes this is يعني, the kind of examples we're looking at Meaning that there are clear examples in the sunnah of certain acts which are not in of themselves asked to do, requested to do, needed to be done. But if a person does it, it's not a problem. Our response to all of these clearly, and Sheikh Uthameen himself will have this kind of concern as well. There's no doubt about it because it opens the door to bid'ah. Is that, well, the difference is, is that these acts themselves have the Prophet 
have the Prophet ﷺ agreeing or accepting the basis of the act. Accepting the basis of the act. Now, Sheikh Uthameen then goes further. All right. He says, I just want to add a bit more detail to this. I want to add a few more, yani, whatever. He goes, he goes, um, if there was a person that was to leave something from the sunnah of the prayer, whether it's a verbal sunnah or an action sunnah, out of forgetfulness, and it is from his habit that he does this act, then it is actually legislated. It is. So we're not even talking about, yeah, and he, he can do it, he not do it. He goes, it is, it is, it is legislated. He goes that it is legislated to do this sajda because this is a deficiency to the prayer, just like the wajib missing is a deficiency to the prayer, just like the, the rukan is a, a, a deficiency missing, making the prayer deficient. This is also a deficient, but not the deficiency of the validity of the prayer. This is a deficiency in the completeness of the prayer. Naqsu kamal. Okay? This is not an obligatory uh, defect. This is a defect in the excellence, the completeness, and the perfection of the prayer. Right? And, and this is important, you see. The scholars are not going to risk everything what everybody is saying, right? And what you're feeling. They're always going to try and find an evidence for the act. Okay, so there's no doubt. I want everybody here to feel comfortable that the bid'ah, the principle of bid'ah, is definitely being protected. All right, there are two. Then, then, no way are they going to open that door. They're going to want to see some kind of evidence there to allow people to do it. That's why before he mentioned it's the general meaning of the hadith of Abdullah bin Mas'ud that whenever you, if you forever to forget something, then then make the sajda. And look at this hadith now. He says. And also the general meaning of his statement, sallallahu alayhi something I mentioned earlier on. For every forgetfulness. Now, this is a lot more useful. Okay. What level do we give this guy? Huh? Is he Nadif? Or is he is he Sheikh Walid? Or is he thingy? He's in between. Sheikh Nawalid, salam alaikum. Sheikh, I'm in Dars, so I'm going to call you back, okay? Excellent. You see that? That's my guy, okay? That's my guy. Straight in, straight out. I couldn't do that to Sheikh Abdul Rashid. Are you kidding me? Exactly. Sheikh is Sheikh. Sheikh Walid is a don. If any of you guys realize just how nice, I'm not forget his knowledge. He's a very knowledgeable guy. He's the closest guy to me amongst all of the du'at. He is such a nice guy. Everything that I'm not. Everything that I'm not, he is. He is so sweet. He would be like throw the phone in a bin, bro. Are you kidding me? So nice. Teddy bear. This, that. You know what I'm saying? All right. Now, what I was trying to say, you can see that this hadith is more specific than the previous one. If you thought that we were getting a bit desperate with the previous one, that if any of you forget something, then make a sajda, this one is a bit more forceful, right? This is saying, 
for every forgetfulness. Now, you could make an argument here. You could say, right, well, that means even if you forget a sunnah. You get my point? Please tell me that you understand what, what, what I'm saying. That this hadith is a stronger evidence for your argument because it says every forgetfulness. Technically, if you forget to pray a, a sunnah, then this hadith could apply. Now, obviously, I'm sure that you're going to agree with that. Uh, but they will have a problem. This hadith, according to the majority of scholars, is weak. According to the majority of scholars, it is weak. It is narrated by Imam Ahmed and it is narrated by Imam Abu Dawood. The hadith in by Abu Dawood is 1038. Never any offense, Umm Ruqayyah, keep doing it. Although remember our lesson is not meant to be one hour, one hour, 20 minutes, right? Remember that. But keep on uh, reminding me of the hour mark. 1038 is the number in Abu Dawood. Okay, narrated by Ibn Majah, a number of them. Um, and Ibn Hajar, rahimahullah, he said that its chain is weak. Its chain is weak. And I don't know of any version of this hadith that has an authentic chain. But Allah knows best. So that's the only one thing. And But Sheikh Al-Tamin is not going to stop there. So he goes, but also in the Q&A, but, but also we have the hadith in Sahih Muslim that we mentioned before. If any of you forget, then let them do two sajda. So that obviously builds that up. And he says, And this hadith is general. There's no evidence, Sheikh Uthameen is saying, to, spe <coughs> to specify it, <coughs> to specify it only for obligation or for pillars or anything like that. He goes, however, if person leaves a sunnah act that he doesn't normally do, it's not from his habit, then it is not a sunnah for him to do the sajda. Because it never even occurred to him that he had to do it in the first place. So how can he have forgotten it when he didn't have to do it in the first place? So, Sheikh Uthameen, okay, to finish off this chapter, all right? He's basically argued, and by the way, Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar al-Shanqiti, no, not at all, in fact. And I'll tell you why. Uh, 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 no, in actual fact, let me put it on, on, on you. Why would it be a problem? Because Imam Bukhari, Khasatan Imam Bukhari, does not organize his uh, hadith like, Sahih, like Imam Muslim, for example. I mean, obviously, it's a science, right? How you, uh, like, for, or, or forget Imam Muslim. The reason that the... Um, the reason that the collections of Ibn Majah and Abu Dawood are called the Sunan is because they are put in this kind of very convenient categories of Salah, this, that, whatever. Not for one second think that when uh, Bukhari does Kitab al-Salah that he's following a formal fiqh structure, right? He's not He's not doing... No, no, he does, absolutely. Bukhari is obviously making arguments with the chapter headings, but the fuqaha are not using their... His chapter heading as the primary argument that could never be uh, possible. That would be just an ind indicative kind of measure, right? My point is is that using hadith from Bukhari wherever they are doesn't negate the usage in other. Correct, exactly, Rehan. Rehan got it. Anyway, so let's just let's just look at what Sheikh Uthameen is saying, which is also the position of Sheikh Muhammad Muhtar Shankiti, which is also the position of quite a few scholars, by the way, and that is. That if there's a person who regularly does certain sunnah, whether it is um, long or short, okay, 
uh, sorry, not long or short, um, uh, whether it is action or, 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 or statement wise, and they forget to do it, okay, then they should make the sajda at the end because they forgot. They technically forgot. Not obligating it. They're not obligating it. That's important to remember as well. They're saying it's okay to do it because they forgot. And the sajda is for forgetfulness. So when you step back and you look at this position now, it's not actually as controversial as it sounded in the first place, right? They are not indicating that you can open the door and just because people think that this is good, etc., etc., then, you know, because I'm telling you now, if you think about what they're saying, they're only restricting it, uh, uh, you know, they're not keeping it as unrestricted as what it might seem that the author is indicating. He's actually indicating that if there are people who are regular in their sunnah acts. So, for example, um, if you, if you, uh, th th that hadith of Ibn Mas'ud is an absolute fundamental part of their argument. If they didn't do that hadith, okay, they would be massively opening the, the door to bid'ah. They are always going to leave some general evidences to show that something is permissible. Because, listen, they didn't say any act. They said there is possible for an act to not be legislated but be permissible. They didn't say it's permissible for any act to not be legislated but not be permissible. They Meaning that the act is still an act of worship. It's got to have some basis. But it might not be legislated in the religion. It might not be something that the Prophet ﷺ wants from the people or is asking from the people or insisting from the people. That's the that's the point what we're talking about. All right? Yani, it's not that... This is not... If you think about it, this is not actually an issue of bid'ah. Right? It's not creating the point of, of bid'ah. Um, and, and a classic example would be if you are reciting... Yani your Salatul Fajr Sunnah. You know it is Sunnah to recite uh, Ikhlas, uh, uh, Kafirun, and Ikhlas. Okay? Qul ya ayuhal Kafirun in the first rak'ah. Qul huwallahu ahad in the second rak'ah. Now, let's say that you never ever leave that Sunnah act. And it's Sunnah to do it all the time. All right. Let's say you forget. Let's say you forget and you go Allahu Akbar. Yani after you said Fatiha. They're saying that, right. That you now are allowed. You see, this is the problem, Mesa. You are making it yani, obligatory. Because again, you're using the word fix, right? And when you use fix, it's because something's broken, right? They're saying if a person wanted to do it, that's okay. That's very important. They're not saying it's legislated. We are not arguing for the opinion that it is legislated. We are saying that if a person actually forgot and they weren't happy you see again it comes back to another point as well right let's step back a bit maybe we've gone too much into the trees step back a bit and look at the forest here all right as i said right at the beginning this is not something we should be proud of even forgetting a sunnah right even forgetting a sunnah is not something to be proud of because it indicates that you were not concentrating. 
Remember, we are making it a bit more specific than the general idea, yeah? We're saying that if there's a regular, regular sunnah, okay? I'll give you the example, okay? Zaf, everybody, listen to me, yeah? If I regularly upon an act, and my mind is all over the place, you should not be praying with your mind all over the place. If as a result of my mind being all over the place is that I forgot to do something that I always do, even though it's by consensus an oblig a, 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 a non-obligatory act, it's a sunnah act. I let myself down in my prayer by not doing an act that I always do. I'm not obligated to fix the prayer because my prayer is valid. But I don't feel good about this. I don't feel good about this. The scholars are saying, you know what, if you made a sajda because you did forget, you let shaitan take over, then that's okay. I actually think that this is a very reasonable position, right? If you think about this. Now, let me continue with this next closing statement to the chapter, then come back at me, okay? Right? Sheikh Uthameen says, he goes, we can connect to this discussion the issue of khushur. He goes, from the general Sunnah acts of the prayer, this is interesting, is the concept of khushur. Okay? He goes, I'm not talking about the khushur that people kind of think, which is, you know, outwardly, eyes down, you know, sighing, crying, long sajdas. He goes, the internal and the hidden khushur. The internal meaning of the heart is in the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, enjoying the prayer, enjoying the prayer. Not in mind is not wandering. You're following every single thing, the meaning, this, that, whatever. And you're not now on the outsides, you're doing those minimal acts that other people are not picking up on. So you are still, and you're not itching, and you're not scratching, and you're not fidgeting, whatever. And your heart is yani, in the presence, it's in the game, uh, in every single thing that you say and do. And it is yani, between the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you know that you're calling upon Him then there's no doubt that this is the complete and excellent, perfect state to be in the prayer. And a prayer that's performed without this kind of awareness in it is like a body without a soul. It is a, a pointless action. Some of the scholars, and let's listen, said the khushur, the concept of khushur, stillness of the heart and mind, okay, in the prayer is obligatory, obligatory. To the extent that if waswasa, whisperings of shaitan dominated you in, uh, uh, in the majority of the prayer, like it, it, it was with you like through most of the prayer, which is 51%, okay? Most of the prayer, it was like, you know, what am I doing? What's going on? You were here, you were at dinner, you were at lunch, you were planning tomorrow, you were thinking about what this, that, blah, blah, blah. The standard stuff what happens to us in all our prayers, basically. Then the prayer is invalidated. The prayer is invalidated. Obviously, this yani, immediately when you hear this, this causes yani, you know, some concern. Because when you think about that, we're in a lot of trouble then. Yani, this position is difficult to, 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 to defend. It's an untenable position to consider khushur to be wajib. This is your immediate reaction. Because if that was the case, then we're basically saying 
upon all of the prayer, uh, uh, we're basically saying that on the entire nation, virtually every single person, that they have to repeat their prayers. Okay? That Because that's the truth. The vast majority of the people, in the vast majority of their prayers, don't have it all on lockdown. We would be practicing. I might do that for next. Uh, I, in fact, not might. I will be doing that in the next few weeks, uh, Rehan. Uh, so that, as Mesa says, we would be doing uh, prayers night and day, night and day. Now, Sheikh, uh, which is obviously, you know, common sense, by the way. And this is absolutely why I'm absolutely positive that Khushua is not an obligation to this level. This argument. But look what Sheikh Uthameen says. He goes, but by the way, I'm not so convinced by this emotional reaction. I'm not so convinced by this argument that, oh, we're going to have to make all the people pray again. This is this is, this is is out there. Now, look what Sheikh says. He goes, he goes, hey, if these people, when they get, yani, you know, they realize this and they realize that we're not playing about, we're not here to play and it's no joke. And that if you're not going to focus in the prayer, then this is what's going to happen. Okay, then, and they were commanded just once to make sure that they do this. Just once. And subhanAllah, such an idealistic statement, yani, that I don't know, yani, I don't know, you know, Sheikh al obviously speaking about himself and the people he hangs around. But he goes, if just once he's commanded to do this because he knows it's obligatory, he will never, ever in the future go back to that again. Because he's learned his lesson. He's like, you know what? I did it. I can't believe that I embarrassed myself. I, I, you know, I wasn't concentrating in the prayer. And so therefore, I'm not going to mess that up again. Now, of course, that should be our, our attitude anyway. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said before every prayer, uh, pray like as if it's your final prayer. So you're always meant to be in a zone anyway when you get into the prayer and you go to Tabir, Allahu Akbar, etc., etc. So, so, فالقول بأنه من الواجبات وأنه إذا غلب الوسوسة لا أكثر الصلاة بطل الصلاة لا شك أنه قول وجيه. He goes, he goes, he goes. There's no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind. So you can see he likes his opinion that it's wajib, and he doesn't want to care about the reaction of the people. He likes it. He likes the argument that khushu should be wajib, and if the people are like we're going to make you all repeat your prayers again because you're all rubbish, then you know so what. Let them do it once. They'll never forget. He basically carries on. He goes, you know what? This is a strong argument. Except that there are problems with this argument. Okay? Except that there are problems with this argument. He goes, he goes, It's very much يعني, a strong argument. And he goes, because the khushu is the is the is the is the is the asal of the prayer. Where else is the prayer without khushur? And it's 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 this the soul of the prayer, it's the spirit of the prayer. Except that what you're going to say about the hadith of the Prophet where he told us that shaitan, when he hears the adhan, he turns his back and legs it and he lets off wind. He passes wind loudly to try to distract the sound of the adhan from him. Okay, because it hurts him. It's like burns him, right? So the adhan burns him. And then when the adhan finishes, he returns back to freak you out, basically. Then the iqama 
starts. No, no, sorry. That's a hadith. Is uh, I think there's a problem with that hadith. Anyway, then the prayer starts, and he enters He's right into your heart and your mind, and he will say to you, he will say to you, He goes, remember this, remember that. And he will make you remember all the kind of things that you couldn't remember at all. He will keep telling you this and that, and he will make you think this and that until you will completely forget how much you prayed. Now, this hadith, very famous, Hadith Bukhari, that's yani, well established. Sheikh says, This hadith is a text, it's a nas. Beautiful point. He goes, This hadith is a direct proof. Direct textual proof that however much waswas and whisperings and all this kind of stuff in the prayer dominates the prayer, whether it's 51% or 88% or 99% or whatever it is, it does not invalidate the prayer because the Prophet وسلم, he uh, didn't yani, say that this person has to pray the prayer again. He didn't, right? What did he say? He said, Say, he said, Focus. He said, Hey, do you realize Allah is in front of you? He said, Hey, do you know that the Prophet that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has divided the prayer into ten parts? And he and and and, and 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 he did not say you have to pray again, which is a direct proof that the Prophet considers the prayer valid even with waswas. Dare I say, quite normal as well. And it's the good fight that needs to be fought every single uh, uh, every single time that you pray. He continues also. The statement of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. In Allah tajawaza an ummati ma haddathat bihi anfusuha, ma lam ta'amal, ma lam ta'amal bihi aw tatakallam. And Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said in the hadith narrated by Bukhari, hadith number two five two eight, Allah subhanahu wa taala has pardoned my ummah for the whisperings of its souls. That's a really horrible translation. Uh, as long as they don't act by it or say anything, my Allah subhanahu wa taala has forgiven or pardoned my ummah for that which it whispers to itself. Ma hadda Yani what its nafs? Yani basically, you know, not was was. We're talking about you know, uh, uh, you know, man, like yani, you know. Like the hadith is focusing on sin, like zina, or I'm going to steal that, or I want to do this, or I want to do that, or whatever. Wouldn't it be great if I was able to kill that person off? You know, I hate that guy, blah, 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 blah. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forgiven this hadith on nafs. Hadith on nafs is this this stuff. What do we call it in English? Man, I can't think of the English phrase for that. I mean, it's like, uh, I can't believe that I've gone so lame. My English language is gone. Not desires, man. Obvious phrase, man. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Um, ruminations, yeah. Fleeting thoughts. Yeah. Fleeting thoughts and ruminations. Exactly. Allah has forgiven these. As long as you do not act accordingly you mean meaning actualize them and as long as you don't uh, uh, as long as you don't actualize them and actualize them actualizing them happens two ways 
you either act them out, you do it, or you say it, right? Because it can be a statement or it can be an action, right? And the sheikh says, this, of course, includes the waswas in the prayer as well. Because it's internal ideas and things and your mind's all over the place. It's not focusing on what you should be doing. So, and so on. Now, by the way, just on this hadith, all right, because it is important to remember, right? Uh, just in case it's come with some, some kind of confusion. This is one of the, the great hadith. And it's a nice place to end, actually, end this chapter as well. It's one of the great hadith. It's one of the great hadith. Because it reminds us of the other hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, right? The beautiful hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that categorizes all of our ruminations and our thoughts into four categories. The first category, those good ideas, if the person has the plan or hope or intention or the rumination or the thinking that I'm going to do a good deed and then he does go ahead and do that hasana, he will get from Ashra, he will be rewarded for that act 10 to 700 times the, the reward for that act, which is a madness if you think about it, okay? One act doesn't get one good deed. It gets 10 to 700 times multiplication reward. Which, which is a madness. Just think about that. Then the second one, the Prophet ﷺ said, if a person, he intends to do a good deed, and then he doesn't do it, he doesn't actually get the... So he goes, you know, I'm going to pray to Sunnah, then doesn't do it. Or I'm going to go and read some Quran, doesn't do it. Whatever the reason, but he doesn't then do it. Allah's kitab Allahu indahu hasana kamila. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala writes with him, with him. That's also a beautiful part of the hadith, yani, you know, to almost yani, emphasize still the huge aspect of the reward, not just writes it as a reward, but writes it with him as this guy, he did try, he did have the intention, he's a good person. He gets a full good reward. Third is a person who intends to do bad. If he intends to do bad, think bad, say bad, whatever, bad, and then actually goes and does it, then from the mercy of Allah, not from the justice of Allah, not from the justice of Allah, bad, yeah, any, uh, 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 from the extreme generosity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is that he's only going to punish this person just to the equivalent of one sin. That's sin and that's it. And madness continues. Rahma unlimited, unrestricted. The Prophet said, and if this person if this person, he wanted to do the bad thing and then decided not to, makes an actual decision not to, then this person gets the reward of a hasana. So in these four scenarios, three of them bring reward, even though two of them are bad intentions and two are good intentions. In all four, three are rewarded, and the only one that's not rewarded is if a person goes ahead and does the evil act. Now, this, of course, is if just their just intention, right? It's different if a person actually then det is determined to go and do it. This is what we call in Sharia al-Azm. If a person, yani azm, if a person, yani uh, intends to, uh, you know, intends in one thing, but then they go and set out. So, for example, person says, you know what it is, man. Uh, uh, you know, this is summertime and people leaving their windows open. I'm going to nick some stuff. I'm going to do some robbery or whatever. Then he goes. So, you know, that's a bad thing now, right? But he's not getting punished for it. He's not getting punished for it. Then he says, you know what? Oh my, how can I be so stupid, man? Don't be so stupid. You're a Muslim. 
And so he doesn't do it. So he gets the reward for that. That's it. Free reward. Now, let's say that he decides to go ahead with it. And then nighttime comes and he goes and he actually goes out there and he gets there and he gets to the window and the window is, he's expecting it to be opened, but it's locked. So he can't get in. This person is punished for this act. This person is punished for this act. And because this person was intending to do it, but he was basically prevented from going ahead to do it. And why is he punished? Even though there is some discussion, and I know there is, but we ain't got time for that. The reason he's punished is because the Prophet said, Al-Qatil wal-Maqtul fin-Nar. Okay? You know, the, the hadith where the, the Prophet said, if the two people who come to, you know, to come to uh, blows, they come to intend to fight with one another, and one strikes the other, then, you know, they both intend on fighting. When one fights, the, one, one, one kills the other one, both of them are in the fire. The killer and the killed. Because the one who was killed had the every intention to go and kill the other one as well. Just didn't get the chance. He was prevented. Okay? So, that being said, Shazad, that's disgraceful. Okay? We are one hour and 26 minutes in terms of content. Okay? All right? Disgraceful. Unbelievable rounding up. Like, I don't know what Yani Mafs you did. Okay? 25, in fact. Okay? And by the way, Rakaya is literally counting every second. The Mongolians gave up an hour, obviously half an hour ago. Yeah? Uh, uh, London Mosque. I keep forgetting its name. But Rukaya is counting out every second. So just calm me beans, bro. So on that note, um, we can we can, uh, uh, we can can completely... Uh, we can say... What can we say? I just, I want to say to you that khushu is such an important part of the prayer. And it should not be seen as okay or normal. Right, this stupid focus, right? It should not be seen as okay or normal if we forget things. Um, forgetfulness is a, is a, is a, is a, is a, is a, is a deficiency. And therefore, if a person said to himself, you know what, I let myself down, I forgot, and he made sajda for it, I don't think that's a major issue. And it comes under the general evidences. That's the key. That's what saves us from the bid'ah. It comes under the general evidences, and it's not something which has been formally required, but it can be justified as a permissible act. No more than that. And as long as it's a permissible act, then we're not going to go. And we're closing the door very clearly on bid'ah, because if the bid'ah has been opened up, then that's something else. But if it's not been, then, you know. And by the way, I'll close on this. Yeah, I'll say this is also why in certain actions, we are not so condemning in certain things as we would be in others. Right? For example, although maybe, I, uh, I, maybe I'm slightly hypocritical here myself, but that's because I detest this act. And that is the the, the, the the recitation of Fatiha at every single moment of everybody's life, you know? Al-Fatiha, let's read Fatiha, let's do Fatiha, let's do Fatiha, we Fatiha, 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 okay? But but technically speaking, okay, I mean, certainly the recitation of the Qur'an for the, the deceased, for me, would be an example of this, and which is why I don't have a problem with it hardly, okay? Even though some scholars will call it bid'ah, this is an area in discussion amongst the scholars, which shows that we are tolerant on this. Fatiha, theoretically, some people could argue it. I find it disastrous if it can be defended. But again, it's certainly not close to any of the proper serious bid'ahs that exist. So you learn 
that that these principles are living, application of them, living. There are differences yani, at certain times in how we understand it, and it is important for the student of knowledge to temper his reaction or her reaction to each one, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. All right, so I think that's everything that I wanted to say. And in his closing, he goes, anyway, regardless, a person should make the absolute biggest intention ever, okay, yani to, to fight shaitan in the salah, should be always uh, uh, ready for his enemy because shaitan has made a qasam he has made a he swore a vow to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he would mislead and lead astray all of the, the all of mankind except the sincere servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so fight him regularly by making istiada saying um, and to make sure that you become strong upon that I think that was a really nice point by Sheikh Uthameen these last few pages. I really benefited Yani from it. I really enjoyed it. Right. Let's do some QA, folks. Yeah, a few minutes. And uh we'll uh, so if you've asked questions, guys, I'm not going down, okay? Ask your questions again. Find your own question and then put it up and uh, we, I'll take it from the top now. Uh what if it what, what if because our mind was all over the place, we are not certain if we made that sunnah act? Sajda Sahu, I think it's acceptable. Yeah. I think it's but 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 no more than that, Bilal, right? Just like the text says, it's something which is acceptable. Not a sunnah, not required, not needed. But if you did it, I'd get it. No. Yani, you know, uh, uh, like when you see people do such a straight after salah. Yani, this, no. Sorry, yeah. No, 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 no. No, that is a problem. That's a problem because you are now making it regular. I've seen that, that people make a sajda after every salah. That's similar, by the way, to some of the Hanafis, very few, but some of them that pray dhuhr after every Jum'ah to make up for the possible fact that their Jum'ah was not accepted. Sumaira says, what if the habitual sunnah makes it less khushu' filled? As you say, keep it real in the prayer, make it variable where possible. That is not a forgetfulness though, right? Sumaira, that's you intentionally leaving it to try to intentionally bring in another sunnah, right? So that's something different. So Allah knows best, okay? I, I wouldn't include that in it, okay? Uh, Riyaz says, to clarify, to clarify, Sahu is recommended when someone misses a sunnah. Uh, uh, Sajdah is recommended when someone misses a sunnah act out of forgetfulness. But if a person misses out intentionally, yeah, yeah, that's what I just said. That's what I just said, okay? That's what I just said. Um... You know this hadith, by the way. I want to check it, but I have got, I have a problem with this. I am pretty sure that this hadith is weak. And if someone yani, can, Madam, I think this hadith is weak. And if I can get some time, I'll look into it. I don't like the position, yani. Uh, I don't like the position of Sheikh Al-Albani or whatever. I like to do my own research on it. But I think this hadith is weak. Um, still hung up on reconciling the maxim you mentioned today. And Al-Asaf Al-Ibadah Al-Hadr Wal-Mana'ah. Yeah, could you explain gener generally? Yani, what I'm trying to say is that that asal is still the same. The basic principle that in acts of ibadah, you don't go ahead with them unless they are... Uh, 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 um, that you don't go ahead with them unless... 
they are permissible, right? Now, you just don't make them up. And simply put, we're not making them up. That's the point, okay? What The acts and the examples that we've been given, at the very least, they've got some general evidence behind it. That's the easiest way to explain this point, okay? And, and, the acts that are being allowed in the general sense are not being recommended. They're just being told it's allowed for you to do. Now, very different, right? Fiddler, think about this. If I then took those acts and I made it my habit, like the people of Bid'ah do, they build their house upon it. That's so much different from Ahl Sunnah, right? That you take an act which might be permissible here and there, whatever. Now you go and build your house upon it. All the time you're doing it. No, that's something we're not opening up. Or you just take the position that no, as some scholars said, that there is a problem with it. And we said that fuqaha, as I said right at the beginning, there are some other fuqaha that said, no, you can't say that. You can't say that, that it is okay to make sajda because that is you adding something to the prayer that's not from it. So it shows that this issue is quite flexible. We don't need to make it a uh, uh, an issue that confuses us. Yeah, any, uh, uh, if that makes sense. But what is your personal take regarding the following of the law of the land in a kufar country? Oh, come on, bro. <laughs> That's a class. Do you have to do sajda sahu if you forget to do sajda tilawah? That's coming next. That's coming over the next few weeks. That's actually a, a significant part of the subject. Regarding the evidence of the companion who recited ikhlas after every surah, it sounds like the companion did something because they loved it. In principle, it's okay to recite different surahs in the salah that are not consecutive. And he did it knowing that it wasn't the sunnah. Also, didn't do it thinking that it should be done per se. He just liked that to do it. And it was within the things that are permissible in the prayer. That sounds to me like it's okay. But it's not tiny, it's, But it's not like telling someone you shouldn't do it, but it's okay if you do. I feel like these are two different things. Yeah, I can see that argument. I can see that argument. But also, but also let's give a more accurate interpretation of what the Hanbalis are saying. They said it's not legislated, right? They're saying... Not, they're not saying you shouldn't do it, but they're saying it's not legislated, but it's okay if you do it, which is slightly different from you should not do it. It's saying it's permissible. That's what they're saying. So they're saying that, listen, you don't need to do a sajda if you don't forget something. Okay? Yeah, we're going to do that. Yeah. Just make sure that I do cover it, Mesa. Yes, yeah, Um if you want an answer to the question, uh, Lutz, okay, uh, there is, j- just, for, just for now, there is no sajda tisahu for sajda tilawa. All right? There's only the sajda tilawa. You either did it or you didn't do it. And the reason that I don't believe that there's neither a sajda tisahu or a repeat of the tilawa is because I don't consider the tilawa to be an obligation in the first place. Right? But if you do consider it to be obligation, then you would have to make sure that you do that sajda tilawa when you remember later on, just to answer your question so that you can be at least relaxed for now. Okay, um, doing sajda after each salah is a catastrophe. It is catastrophic. It's like the worst thing that I can imagine, because this means that you are in doubt in every single prayer that you're praying, and that means that you are allowing shaitan to completely destroy you. Okay. Um, sometimes I repeat a verse because I think I might have made an error whilst reciting in the prayer. Do I need to do sajda after the prayer? So here's the thing, right? Making an error 
in the recitation of the verse is not yani on one side this is you forgot the verse on another side you didn't forget but you made an error it's, it's semantic this is their example they would say if a person made sajda for this it'll be okay me not a chance not a chance ah, that means i'd be if we're talking about doing sajda after every mistake i make in the salah i'll be doing salah i'll be i'll be doing uh, uh, uh thingy i'll be doing uh, 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 prostrations every single prayer you know what i'm saying uh we agree we uh, we agree with the text that if we miss our regular sunnah of salah then we do sajda sahu no we agree with the text that if we miss our regular sunnah of the prayer it's allowed for a person to do it if they want to that's our position on Yawm Al-Qiyam, when Allah questions us on our salah, would this be purely on the basis of the quantity of our salah? Or the khushu' also be taken into consideration? So at the base minimum, it's going to be, at the base minimum, it's going to be the, uh, the, the quantity, the obligation. The quality then is what will have allowed you to achieve certain things that would allow you to put it up and get more reward for it. Resources in Arabic don't come to mind, bro. Siyasa Shari'iyah, the, the, the Sharh of Sheikh Uthameen is good, by the way. Okay? Of Ibn Taymiyyah. Siyasa Shari'iyah. I taught it once, yani, in Ilm Summit. The commentary of Sheikh Uthameen. Uh, um Ruqayyah, that sajda is even worse. The pack sajda, okay? The one that all the family go and do and all the rest of it. And there are versions of that. Some versions are they just do it as an ihtiyatan. Some do it as they say that the dhikr done in the sajda is better. That's like pure bid'ah. At least the sajda sahu has some basis. You know what I'm saying? And then Lutz is it's not in our prenup that Cam puts the bins out, but he always has and always does. And when he forgets the night before, he gets up extra early the next morning and goes and puts them out. It's a voluntary act that he feels bad for not doing. This lesson has helped me justify the expectation. And that is why Lutz is not just our student of knowledge. She is our teacher. She is our teacher. And we doff. Our caps in respect to Lutz and to the Bajara slave boy, melon of all melons, Cam. Because when you've got a watermelon like that, yani, then what do you do? All right. And Dilshana, I, th I think that's okay for you to do that. I actually answered that question, but you might not have heard it. Zakmul Khair, everybody. Thank you for being uh, in the class. I hope Yani Irfan was here as well. He's a quiet, silent assassin. Okay. Um, but I'm going to test him. Because you just never know. He always says, yeah, yeah, I'm here, I'm there, whatever. Jazakumullah uh, khair. Barakallahu feekum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.